Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 14, and we will make a run at nine verses. We'll see how it goes. And so Romans 14, 1, let's start reading. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Say doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who, eats, uh, he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he'll be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Uh, he who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, I thank you, Father, for the food that you provided us. It's already blessed. We're going to open our heart and receive it by faith and be blessed by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher right now. You would anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening and open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, break it apart. Minister it to where they hear from you today. And they walk away with what they need. Only you can do this miracle and believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name. Everybody agree? Amen. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, start unpacking this. Romans 14 chapter 1 says, Receive one who is weak in the faith and not to dispute over doubtful things. So this Bible says here, this verse says, to receive one who is weak in the faith. So, you know, Jesus has, raise your hand if Jesus has received you. If you're saved, he's received you, and so he's received you, and even though you may have a little quirk here or there, you may have kind of your little hang-up here or there, you're not perfect in what you do, God still received you. And so some people seem, some Christians are easier to receive than others to receive, but if you're a Christian, born again, you're part of the family, we're to receive one another. And so it says here, receive one another who is weak in the faith. Who is someone who is weak in the faith? Someone who is weak in the faith is weak in grace because you receive grace by faith. And so if we're weak in faith, we're weak in grace. And so Paul's addressing some in the congregation that came out of legalism. They came out of Judaism. They came out of legalism under the law. And some of them still had some scruples. They're under the law. They brought into the Christian walk. And they thought there's some things they can't do. There are things that they should do or can't do. And they're still under some legalism in their life. Raise your hand if you came out of a legalistic church and religion in your life. Well, praise God. I love those, the story about the children Lord, that got saved right off the bat and was taught grace. But, you know, a lot of us didn't come out right out uh, from getting saved and got taught grace. We got saved by grace and then went to church. And many of us were taught legalism and religion, and so we're still trying to get over those things, renew our mind to the grace of God. And so to the level you're still under legalism is that you're an area of you're weak in the faith. And so it says, receive one who is weak in the faith. So who is that? That's a religious person. That's someone that's legalistic as a Christian. 
It says, but do not, do not receive them to dispute over doubtful things. Say doubtful things. And so what is this verse saying? It says, don't receive somebody to be your friend just to straighten them out. Straighten their theology out. Tell someone you're not junior Holy Spirit. <laughs> Spouses need to learn that. You're not junior Holy Spirit. And so we're not here to receive people for the fact of, well, I'm going to straighten them out. And, and they need to grow in their faith. And, and I'll teach them everything I know and everything. like that. You're not called to be junior Holy Spirit. And it says not to dispute over doubtful things. Say doubtful things. Doubtful things. Those are things with, that bring questioning. Is this okay? Is it not okay? So what are doubtful things in the Word of God? Doubtful things include things that the Scripture doesn't specifically talk about. Those are the things that are not addressed specifically in the Word of God. And so what about doubtful things? Should we as Christians be involved in those things? We're going to talk about, we're going to have fun with it this morning. We're going to talk about several doubtful things that we have in our life today that many Christians have different viewpoints on, even dispute over them. And we're going to find out how do you navigate the doubtful things of life? Because there's a lot of things not addressed specifically in Scripture. How will you deal with that? What principles can you get deal with that? We're going to talk about that today. So let's get into this, talking about doubtful things today. And so what are some doubtful things in our life, in our culture today? Well, let's get into it. First of all, let's talk about movies. Is it okay for a Christian to go to a movie? And if it's okay, because, you know, some will say, no, you don't even darken that door of that theater. It's evil. Don't go there. There's demons. Don't go to a theater. Well, okay. Some say, okay, it's okay to go to a theater. But now comes the question, what rating? Is it is G? Is G? What about PG? Uh-oh, now we're getting a little tough. PG-13. In R-17. R. Well, what if it's just, what if it's a military movie and it's just blood, but they put it in R? Is that, is it, but it's R. Well, we know X. <laughs> we have clear stuff on that, right? So, but what about movies? What, what about that? What about that? Well, I'm not going to give you, well, I'm, you got to believe this. These are called doubtful things. I'm going to show you how we can navigate the doubtful things as a Christian today. Oh, what about TV? Watching TV as a Christian. Is it even okay to own a TV? That one-eyed devil you put in the corner of your room. That idol. Or, you know, is it, but what about Andrew? I can have TV and I can watch Andrew on TV. You can watch Pastor Rick on there on a live Bible study. You can live cast from your phone on that TV and be edified. Well, what about, well, what about Hallmark? <laughs> Romance. And so, but then they started adding same-sex couples into Hallmark. So, well, what, okay, what, what, about, what about TV? What about, um, let's move on to the next one. Um, I'm trying to find, there it is. Uh, what about hobbies? What about killing Bambi's mother? <laughs> Hunting. It's murder. No, it's hunting. And I'm eating meat. I'm a carnivore, and I'm eating meat, and I'm not just hurting it, I'm going to eat it. 
Is that okay? See, we, when I bring these up, and we're going to get more and more into these. You're going to, you, there's some strong emotion, strong beliefs, strong convictions on these things that you have, and you should have, you should have beliefs in these things. But what about how do we handle it with one another when it's not listed specifically in Scripture? We're going to talk about that. Next doubtful thing we want to talk about, how about holidays? What about celebrating Christmas? Well, we don't even know for sure if Jesus was born on December 25th. Uh, we know when he died, specifically Easter is the day he did die. We do know that time, but we just selected December 25th. But, it, you know, so commercialized with Santa Claus and all this stuff. Is it even okay to own a Christmas tree? Because, you know, you've heard maybe that, that that came out of a pagan background where there's idol worship and you came out of that tree. And, and, and is it okay even to celebrate Christmas and give gifts out? And, and what about that Christmas tree? And so I got to address this one because I can't get around it. At Christmas, we have a Christmas tree out there. Now, let me tell you something. If I walk out there and someone's worshiping it, we'll readdress the issue. Someone's bowing down worshiping it, we'll talk about it. Um, okay, okay, let's go there. Halloween. The Devil's Day. It's the Devil's Night. And there's satanic worship going on and there's demons. And so Christians know... Uh, some Christians like no participation in that. Other Christians like, you know what? I'm putting my kid a Superman outfit on my kid, and we're going to get some candy. Big deal. See, I'm already different strong beliefs about this coming out. Well, what about you and as just in your home when they come by your house? Should you have the light turned on and you give candy out, or you should keep that light switched off? And I'm not participating. Those kids not getting candy from my house. We're not going to involve in that. What if you hand the candy out with a track? It's evangelism now. Where do you fall on that? It's a doubtful thing, but all the Christians have different view, viewpoints on that. How do you do it? How about the lottery? Oh, gambling, or and what about that? Well, I will tithe, Pastor. What about that? A lot of strong feelings. What about food choice, drink, drink choices? What about, what about having a glass of wine with your meal? No, all alcohol is evil. Can't have any alcohol. No, one glass of wine is no problem. That's, so we have differing viewpoints on that. It's light beer, Pastor. What about food? Is pork okay? Is bacon okay? Ham sandwiches, pork chops? Dancing for a Christian. Well, what kind of dancing? Line dancing? Slow dancing? Fast dancing? Prophetic dance? You know, one major denomination actually came out and made a, a law against premarital sex because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> Praise God. 
So we have a lot of different things, and you can go on and on and on, all of these specific things, the doubtful things the Word of God doesn't specifically address. So how do we navigate those? So I'm going to help you today. If you got something to write down, some notes, I want you to write these down. Here's four laws, and when I say laws, I'm not speaking of the Mosaic law. I'm speaking of four governing principles that you can navigate doubtful things. Four governing principles. And so let's look at the first one. It's called the law of liberty. The law of liberty. Turn to James chapter 1, look at verse 25. St. Augustine had a statement, In the essentials there should be unity, in the non-essentials there should be liberty, and in all things there should be charity, love. And so the essentials are the virgin birth. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and were saved by grace through faith. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. These are all truths that you have to believe to be a believer. If you don't believe those, you're not a believer. There are, everything else after that is what we call non-essentials. And like, how were you baptized? Were you baptized in a pool or were you baptized in running water? Or were you sprinkled or whatever you were? And, and so there was actually a denomination that I heard about. It's called Baptized Face Forward in Running Water Baptist Church. And so we have very specific things on those things. But you know what? None of those things are heaven and hell issues. And so we want to argue over those non-essential things. And so we're going to talk about the doubtful things are not specifically listed in Scripture as sin. So the first is the law of liberty. Look at James chapter 1. Look at verse 25. You can pop that up, please. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, say law of liberty, and continues in it is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And so as a Christian, we're under the law of liberty. What does this mean? In areas where the Bible doesn't specifically call sin, we have liberty. We have freedom, and that's, that's towards God. The law of liberty is vertical, and it's towards God in our own personal walk with God, that if the Bible doesn't specifically call something sin, we have liberty in, the, in that. Uh, and so there's latitude as a Christian, and you need to follow your conscience and the Holy Spirit, and as He gives you principles to follow, but you have to decide in your own heart before God, but you have liberty in areas that are not called sin in the Bible. And so that's called the law of liberty, and that's towards God and, and toward yourself. Next, all, the next principle is the law of love. The law of love. Look at James chapter 2, look at verse 8. James 2, verse 8. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law, that's the law of love, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself you do well. This principle is towards other believers. This is called law of love. What's that mean? That means if I have a freedom in my life, but you're offended by my freedom, or you feel what I'm doing is I have freedom for, but you feel it's not. For instance, let's talk about in the scripture, let's talk about me eating pork, and another believer doesn't believe. They go back to Leviticus and say, no, no pork, shouldn't be eating pork, but they're under the law. They're still a weak in the faith. They're still legalistic. I shouldn't just flaunt my bacon out in front of them. <laughs> There's sizzling going on. Sorry. I shouldn't do something that will offend the conscience of another believer or 
embolden them or under peer pressure while they're doing, I feel like I need to do it, but they don't feel like it's right and their conscience is wound. I'm sinning against them. I'm hurting and damaging them. So I should follow the law of love. So I shouldn't exercise freedom in front of another believer when it hurts them. That's called the law of love. Let's go to the third law or the third principle. It's the law of expediency. We need the King James on this, please. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 23. The law of expediency. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 23. It says, this is towards the... And so the law of expedience we're going to read. Right here it says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know, there's some things that you can do, a hobby you can do that's not sin... But if you do it to excess, it can become a hindrance to you. Not all things edify. You can be lawful and not edify. I want to do things that edify others, edify myself. And so you can do some things that are lawful and just not benefit you. You can ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that's not sin, but it's become a hindrance in my life? It's not edifying. It's not helping me in my life. And so we'll talk later about that. And so it says all things are not expedient. That means that they're not helpful. And so this is a principle towards the unbeliever. Towards the unbeliever. Because in the context of chapter 10, Paul talks about a few verses down. He says, if an unbeliever asks you to dinner and he serves you meat that was sacrificed to an idol, don't eat the meat for conscience sake. Not your conscience, their conscience. Why? Because an unbeliever has certain understanding of what Christians are supposed to do and what Christians aren't supposed to do. Do you know what mostly Christians believe? That a Christian should not drink at all, have no drink at all. And if you go out and they know you're a Christian and you have a glass of wine, there's some believers that will call you a hypocrite. And you just put a stumbling block between an unbeliever and Jesus. So why would you do something that would hinder an unbeliever from coming to the Lord? So the law of expedience says that you need to hinder your freedom in front of an unbeliever lest you cause offense to them. Okay? The fourth principle is called the law of sacrifice. The law of sacrifice. So the first law was towards, towards yourself and God. The second law was towards the believers. The third law is towards the unbelievers. This law is towards yourself and also with, between you and God. The law of sacrifice. Look at Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Romans 12, look at verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Say living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This law basically is when the Lord tells you something in your life is hindering you and he asks you to sacrifice it to him you have freedom there's no scripture against it but for you it's hindering you and he's asking you between you and him to set it aside and to stop it so you can advance in his walk raise your hand if God has ever asked you to set something aside in your personal walk with God and set aside but you know what a problem happens is when the Holy Spirit deals with us and we feel like we need to preach it to everybody else you must do this. You need to do this. And then you play junior Holy Spirit. So don't play junior Holy Spirit with doubtful things. And so here's those four principles if you govern this. So really, as a minister of the Word of God, my job is to minister the principles of the Word. The principles of the Word of God. 
And so the Holy Spirit's job is to take those principles and apply them specifically in your life. And so as a minister, raise your hand if you feel like you're going to be a minister of the gospel to people, to teacher of people. It's very important, guys, you understand. You're called to teach the principles of the Word of God. And then you, after the service is over, you release them under the grace of God and under the ministry of the Holy Spirit because they're His sheep. You're not my sheep. I didn't give birth to you. You're the Lord's sheep. Go back. See? You prove it. You're the Lord's sheep, and you all have the Holy Spirit within you, and as you walk out the door, as I teach you the principles of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will say, let's use this principle and apply it here. And so you form your own convictions based on the principles of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit, and you form those convictions. But guys, don't go out and preach them as their law to other people. And so those are for you to follow, and, and to follow, on the, especially on these doubtful things. So let me give you one, if I give you an example of a principle you can use to govern these doubtful things. And this is one of the best principles I can leave with you to lay aside anything you're thinking, having questions about should I participate in. This is the principle I want you to lay beside it. This is found in 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 31. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever, say whatever, whatever. whatever. Uh, I did a Greek study on that, and it means whatever. <laughs> Thank you, you're welcome. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Lay that aside, whatever you're thinking about doing. Can you do it to the glory of God? Well, God, I'm going to gossip right now to the glory of God. I'm going to run this person, I'm going to run the pastor down in the glory of God. No, you can't do that. There's some things you just can't do. You cannot fornicate to the glory of God. So, so ask yourself, can I do this thing to the glory of God? Let me ask you, let me get a little closer to this. If Jesus, could I have Jesus personally sitting next to me and have no qualms and we could do it and enjoy it to the glory of God? Let me, let me say something. He is with you. You bring Jesus into everything you're doing as a Christian. You're his temple. And so that's a good principle right there. Well, Pastor, I want you to tell me what to do with all these things. I can't, I'm not, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And he'll show you and direct you. But when he shows it and you have a strong conviction for yourself, don't go preaching as law to someone else. Don't judge somebody else. We're going to see that in the next verse. And so here... Go to verse 2. We will finish this message. We're in verse 2 now. For one believes he may eat all things, and he who is weak eats only vegetables. So, you know, there's one, they'll say, you know what, I, I feel like I'm free from the Levitical priesthood and, or the Levitical rules, and, and, and I'm not under those rules anymore, and I, can, I feel like I can freely, freely eat all things because 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, say, thank you, Lord. For 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. Can you pop that up? For every creature of God is good. I looked up in the Greek the word every. It means every. You're welcome. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. 
So you can thank the Lord for that bacon in the morning, that sausage sandwich in the morning, that ham sandwich BLT for lunch, and the pork chops for the evening. Stop it, you get me hungry. Well, one feels I can get all, but no, the other, someone that's weak in the faith is legalistic, they're living under a different covenant, they're not in the new covenant, they're still bridging the gap between the new and the old. They go back to Leviticus and say, no, pork is not good, I should not eat that, and, or I should not even eat meat at all because meat is murder. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the first one that killed an animal was God. In Genesis... He slayed an animal and covered them. God was the first one to kill an animal. He told Peter, rise up and eat. Slay and eat. God said that. All right. He who is weak eats only vegetables. This, this verse teaches that if you only eat vegetables, you're going to be weak. I'm going to help. I'm trying to help you. No, what's saying is, is that is that if you're only eating vegetables because you feel like it's wrong religiously to eat meat, you're weak. You're weak in the faith. You're weak in grace. And so, you know, the word vegetarian, it's an old Latin word that means lousy hunter. So, you learn that at church. All right, guys. If, if you're a vegan, that's fine. If you're a vegan and it's for, you feel like it's Lord's led you and it's a health thing, great. That's fine. But if you think you not having meat makes you more holy or more righteous than someone else, you're weak in the faith. You're in legalism. You're, in, you're trying to straddle two covenants at one time. And so, so it says, verse 3, Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So there's a tendency on different sides of the fence on each issue as we look over the fence at it, and the gracite that has the freedom and the liberty looks at the legalist over there and just says, boy, you're just a simpleton. Don't you know? Don't you have an understanding of the new covenant? And so you despise them, you look down at them. Matter of fact, the Greek says to treat them as a nobody. You know what? Before Jesus came, we were all nobodies. But Jesus made us a somebody. So us being somebody now, why are we treating other people like they're a nobody? And so don't look down on someone. They don't have the revelation that you have. They didn't have a chance to be taught the way you have. Give them a little chance. You took a little while. They, they need a little bit longer to have their peanut roasted. And so do you. Because every one of us still have a little law stuck in the corner, a little leaven that we don't see. We think, well, I don't have any religiosity in me. And then all of a sudden, your religious bone gets stepped on. And so we all have that to deal with. So, again, don't despise those that are um, not operating in your freedom. But here, but here, don't let him who does not eat judge him who does eat. The legalist, don't judge the person operating in freedom. Now, this is a tougher task. Because it takes maturity not to judge. Because part and lot, uh, uh, lot and parcel with legalism comes judging. How do you know you're still legalistic? You're, you judge a lot. You criticize, you judge people. You're a legalist. 
I love you. If you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. There's no condemnation. It's just if you judge people, you're in the law. You're under legalism. You're not, never, God never called you to be the judge. How many judges are there? There's one judge. Who's that? Tell someone, not you. There's one judge. You're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before one person one day, and it's not your neighbor. It's before God, and he's your judge. And right here, it says, let not him who eats despise him who does eat. Let not him who does not eat judge who eats. So this is the bigger task for that second person judging because they have to mature. You have to let go of some legalism to let go of the judging. And so grow in grace. Tell someone grow in grace. All right, so let's go to the end of that verse. It says, for God has received him. Raise your hand if God's received you. Look around at everyone around you, so you need to receive that person too. <laughs> with all their hang-ups and their foibles and their, well, they don't believe exactly the same with me. You know, I looked down the street and I saw them in a, a costume on, the, on Halloween. <laughs> How dare they be in a costume on Halloween? And then they ate all their children's candy when they came home. <laughs> How dare they? They took a tithe right off the top. Verse 4, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Who are you? Tell some, ask someone, who are you? Who are you to judge someone else? They're not your, ma they're not your servant. That person next to you is not your servant. No brother or sister in Christ is your servant. They're God's servant. Matter of fact, look at the word servant. It comes from a Greek word, one living in the same household. If you're born again, you're living in the same household. And so there's one father of the house, and that ain't you. And, and there's, one, there's one master overall, that's Jesus. And so you have no business judging anybody else. You have enough taking care of your own life. You can't find your car keys in the morning. Take care of your own business. Isn't worrying about everybody else's sanctification. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. <laughs> Me and you are tight. <laughs> Says to his own master he stands or falls. And indeed he will be made to stand. If you're a believer, God will make you stand at the end of the day. You ever look at, well, I don't know if that guy's going to make it. Look at him. What a mess. He's going to make it. God's going to make him stand. God made you stand. God's going to make them stand. They just need a little bit more work. You've arrived, but they, they need a little bit more work. They'll get there. And God can make them stand, and they will be made to stand. Tell someone you're going to stand. Tell someone you're going to make it. All right. Some of you are saying it by faith. Indeed, he will be made to stand. That's our faith in Jesus. That's our guarantee in Jesus. For God is able to make him stand. Look at verse 5. One person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be convinced fully in his mind. You know, there's some Christians that believe there's one day to worship. And it's more holy than any other day. And that's when you dress up real nice and you talk nice and you don't argue 
on your way to church or at least in the parking lot the pastor to hear you and you act nice and sweet that day because that's that's the lord's day and there's some they'll say you know what sunday is the day to worship and some that come in they're straddling two covenants they'll say saturday is the day because in the old covenant saturday was the day of sabbath and on that day you do no work none you sit in your chair you fast and meditate. And they'll preach it hard and heavy. Saturday is holy. Sunday's okay, but you know, no football on Saturday. Don't watch that. It's be holy, Lord. And so one day esteems one day above another, but another esteems every day alike. That every day is a day that's holy unto the Lord. Every day you could worship God. Every day is sanctified unto God. That you can have a church service on a Tuesday. You can have it on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday. You can have it on hump day. You can have it on Monday. Anything that ends with a Y is the Lord's day. But some that are legalistic, weak in the faith, they're still straddling two covenants. Don't judge them, love them, help them along, pray for them. Minister to your love of God to them. Don't use your grace gun and your all over them and preach law or, or you know, they're, anyway. So, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced, say fully convinced, in his own mind. You need to be convinced on these matters. How are you going to get convinced? Let me tell you the worst way to get convinced. Ask them, well, what do you believe? Well, what do you believe? Well, what do you believe? If you do that, you're going to get confused because people are going to be all over the board and what their convictions are on the doubtful things are not found in the Word of God. What you need to do is you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, teach me how the principles of the Word apply specifically in this life for me by the Holy Spirit, but become fully convinced by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, and then follow that, but don't be a preacher of righteousness to everyone else around you. That now that you don't have bacon, they can't have bacon. Don't take my bacon. I'm sorry. Sorry. Lost a little bit. And calm down. Romans 14.23 says, Whatever is not of faith, is sin. So you, whatever you do, do it convinced unto the Lord you're doing all to the glory of God. And it'll look different how it looks in everybody else's life. All right. Verse 6. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he, does, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. So you have some people celebrating, they're, they're on Saturday, they don't work on Saturday, and they're doing it as under the Lord, and they're thanking the Lord for it. Then there's other Christians, there's like, you know, every day's the same, and really Jesus is the represent, represents the Sabbath, he's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. When I put my faith in Jesus, I live in Sabbath all the time. And so, but I give thanks to the Lord and I worship God. The important thing is, what are you doing? You're doing it to the Lord, you're doing it with thanksgiving, and you're doing it for his glory. So how that looks among Christians will look different as long as you're doing it to his glory and you're giving God thanks for it. That's what he's looking for. 
And so uh, it says, he who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. He may faint, but praise God, he'll give God thanks. Look at verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. This was a very famous phrase among the Greeks, the Greek authors. And so this, it says, none lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. What is this verse saying? This verse is saying that we're not an island to ourselves. The minute you were born into this earth, you had ripple effects into other people's lives. When you were a small little baby, well, a little baby, how, how is a baby affecting other people's lives? How about at 3 o'clock in the morning affecting you, affecting other people's lives? And when your diaper gets dirty, affecting other people's lives. And when you're crying, affecting other people's lives. And so from the minute you are given birth, you start impacting other people's lives. I don't care what you do, you still have ripple effects. Well, I'm going to stay home, in my home. I'm going to live off the government. I won't ever go outside. I'm not going to affect anybody. But you do affect people because people are trying to pay to work to pay for you to stay home. And, there, and we don't have the benefit of your gifts and what God, you have to bring to us. There's, been, there's effects. You have effects in this life. And so none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. What's this mean? That when you die, it impacts people around you. Raise your hand if you had someone die in your family and it impacted you. We just recently had that. That's what's so bad about committing suicide. Well, I'm just so filled with my own grief and my own thing, I just want to end it. And you're just thinking about you, but that impacts so many lives. So much pain is multiplied in other people's lives. You don't die to yourself. You don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. Your life matters to other people. And, and you say, well, no one seems to care about me. Well, go two months without paying your rent, and you'll find out someone cares about you. <laughs> your life impacts other people. What's this saying? The, don't use your liberty. I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to flaunt my liberty, do whatever I want, because I have liberty in Jesus. I don't care about anybody else. That's the love of God, isn't it? No. Ultimately, the love constrains us to serve and love other people and put them above ourselves. Verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. What's this verse saying? That if we're living, then Jesus ought to be Lord of our life. We should be seeking his lordship. We should be seeking his will in our life and our life governed under his will. We should be doing what he's called us to do. The worst thing you can tell a kid is you can do anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be and do whatever you want. Wrong-o. You should tell them you can be anything God's called you to be. You can be all that God's called you to be. And so we should govern our life. Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What, I want your agenda for my day. That's called being a disciple. And so it says, none of us, it says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. What's that mean? Even when you die and move on, he's, you're still going to be living to the glory of God and following his lordship. It's not like, well, I'm going to die and then have an eternal party. Woo! <laughs> no, you're going to, 
it's going to be a great time, but you're still going to be seeking, having assignment from the Lord. You're still going to have things to do. You know, there's a major religion that teaches that when you die, especially as a male, when you die, you get 12 bestial virgins just to live in pleasure and do whatever you want to when you die. What did those 12, those, uh, 12 bestial virgins do to get a bum like that guy? What they do? For if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord, unto the Lord's purpose. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Verse 9, For this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus died on the cross, buried, rose again, lived again in resurrection, that he might, say might, he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Notice it didn't say he, that he would be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Why is that word might there? Because Jesus died for everybody's sin, for everybody's salvation, but not everybody receives it. You have to receive salvation by faith. And so when you do that, he is your Lord. But before then, he's not. And so here it says that he died and rose again, that he might be Lord both of the living and the dead. And so next week, we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Well, pastor, I thought I was already judged. There's no more judgment because Jesus was judged on the cross. That's true. But there's still going to be a judgment seat of Christ. And so coming attractions. So wait to come back to find out all about that. I want you to bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. That, Lord, that you've set us free to have liberty. We're no longer under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. I thank you for so much liberty that we have. But, Lord, your love causes us to love others, Lord, and curtail our freedoms to love other people. And, Lord, I thank you for guiding us on when and how to love other people through these doubtful things. And we thank you that we have the Holy Spirit. You've given us the word, the principles of the word with the Holy Spirit to apply it specifically to our lives. But, Lord, we're going to allow that to form a conviction, be fully convinced in our heart about these doubtful things. But, Lord, we're not going to be a preacher to other people. We're not going to become the Holy Spirit to someone else. We're not going to judge someone or despise them. But, Lord, we are going to be fully convinced, and we're going to give you the glory, do all things to your glory, and do it with thanksgiving unto you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I have a word for someone today. You've chosen life in many ways, and now the Lord is going to bless you with that life you've been hoping for. So just declare that and claim it in Jesus' name. I have a message in tongues from the Lord, and please feel free if you have the interpretation to come forward after I'm done. Ishia Lasanatayere Loko Tere Emia Shanataya Sikia Shoto Yeriara Masa Eshene Te Elia Sokodo Ishia Lasanate Emi Sakaya Sikia Soto Yere Mokoto Siki Shanayere Sele Nene Horia Shika Satari Lasanatayere Emia Shotoro Loseki Halasana, meshe nea losoto. 
My children, oh, I love you so much. And it's out of that love, I have so many blessings for you. Walk in those blessings. It's already been provided through my son. It's out of that love I've given you these blessings. Trust me, walk in them. That's the life I have for you. On the way here, I was reminded of something that happened to me. And I needed to forgive three people. And I feel like somebody's been violated here. And you need to forgive. You are believing God for a miracle. And the only thing that's standing between you and receiving from your father is you have to forgive. And God may bring up something to you. And you have to forgive. Forgiveness is not for that person. It's for you to receive from your heavenly father. He loves you so very, very much. And forgiveness is for you. The promise is for you. You are believing God for a miracle you must forgive any story that comes up I was like God why that happened 48 years ago I mean why is that coming up now and he said because you need to forgive those three people you never forgave them I went oh my gosh and boy I just received a flood of love from my heavenly father because I forgave those three people, and you've had someone violate you, you've had someone hurt you, and you must forgive for you and receive that flood of his love. Hallelujah.